1: Okay, we're all in. Take five. Aaron Hogan,
0: Rod Babers, hook 'em up. One o one nine. AM twelve sixty. The Horn.
2: Uh, thursday we have first day of february and uh, we're getting you into it some good conversations coming up in a busy eight o'clock hour we'll uh, go out the turn at the bottom of it to get you more on that uh, new strategic sports group and their investment into the pga tour and jordan Speed weighing in on uh, the positives of it as they tee off in uh, beautiful pebble beach today on the pga tour also Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain as we talk uh, All-Star Game and All-Star Bowls. Oh,
1: yeah. Shrine Bowl, Sydney Bowl.
2: That's right. And uh, also, before we wrap up this hour, as we roll on five hours each morning, uh, we'll do some off the record, including Travis Kelsey talking about the Justin Tucker incident and saying, don't be a Richard. Don't be a Richard. Yeah. See? Stop being
1: a Richard. It seems like Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, um, they are implying that he's an that Justin Tucker's the instigator here. And honestly, I kind of believe it. But I support Justin Tucker. First of all, he's family. He's like, my am But I think he's just trying to play mind games with his opponents because there's no reason for the kicker to be putting his tee at the one-yard line. <laughs> right. Like, you're a kicker. You never kick from the one-yard line. What are you doing, Justin yeah. Tucker?
2: Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> try to hear from Travis Kelsey and uh, the edited it, version of Travis Kelsey. I
1: love yeah, Yeah, yeah. It was the, oh, on their podcast. Is that what they talked about it?
2: Yes, and, and, and on the McAfee show yesterday. Oh, Travis he got Kelsey to here. He all ended right. up there yesterday on ESPN. So yeah. uh, we'll get to that and some other off-the-record conversations. Yeah. Hey, let me ask, before we get to the headlines and uh, continue to talk about the Cowboys and all the things that are going let me ask Ty, our producer, because he watches more NBA than we do, Ron, at yep. this point. Yeah. I'll get to it at some point. But uh, uh, Ty, right or wrong, I mean, this is going to be an obvious statement, but what's scoring in the NBA is way up, Right. Like
0: points yes, scored,
2: way through the. Is it, What is the reason for that? No defense, or I mean, I heard Real Steve Kerr the other day talk. About, yeah, I heard Steve Kurs say that the, the, the officiating changes have made it almost impossible to play defense in the league. Is that right, or is it just regular season basketball?
0: Um. I, yeah. No. Steve Kerr's. I, I. don't. I couldn't tell you the rules exactly that have changed. But I mean, there's a lot of di- discussion about that right now, and between you know players and coaches, uh, is it, the is it The
1: rules that have. Is the rules that have changed or how they're calling the games?
0: Rules that have changed and how they're. I mean, generally over the last 15 years, the, the you could see the physicality decrease on defense because of you know the way the refs are calling the games. But it's yeah. it's. I, I don't. I, I mean, if you look at the Vegas numbers, the, the over under totals on these games have gone up. I think an average of like six to seven points this year alone yeah, yeah. It's,
1: it's 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 everything though it's the analytical era they're shooting more threes and outside shots so they're and players are more, more skilled than ever and players are more skilled than ever and the refs are calling the games differently so it's it's a it's a multifactorial thing but yeah scoring is up and by the way they want scoring up yeah they want i mean they won't they want scoring up every league wants scoring to be up period
2: well, it's uh it's way up and because we've had a 73 point game this year, we've had a 70 point game, we've had a couple 62s from individual players. Um and so yeah, it's especially these really skilled players and you can't hand-check check 'em. What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, uh, they're the best players in the world and now obviously I do think the influence of the the overseas and the foreign players coming in who yep. are more skilled than our players for sure. Uh just because they as as Gino REM, the coach of UConn, says they practice 6 days a week and play once. Whereas in, uh, growing, in youth basketball here, you play six games on a Saturday and no never practice. <laughs> you know, you play, um, you know, you, there's never practice that you have. And you've always talked talk, talk, told our audience, Rod, and it's, it, you don't think about it until you think about it, that football is mm-hmm. one of the few sports that you practice a lot more than you play. Yep. Uh, you, practice, you practice all week long to play one game, one game. right? Yep. Uh, and you know NBA, Major League Baseball, they don't they don't practice much once the season starts.
1: No, you just playing, and it and seasons are long.
2: It's seasons are real long,
1: <laughs> really long. You play,
2: and so for for the development of players, it's in, in the youth levels. That's when it's really really important to learn the fundamentals. And the European players grow up learning the fundamentals and yeah. playing pro ball and and practicing a lot.
1: Yeah, it's 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 ingrained.
2: Even the great the Kobe house. Bryant, the late great Kobe Bryant, uh, who. We just celebrated his, his anniversary of his passing. Said, you know, one of his biggest advantages is he grew up in Europe, mm-hmm. practicing and learning to play like they do. Yep. So when he came over here, he was a dominator.
1: Fundam- he was fundamentally sound oh, yeah. as a young player. 100%.
2: All right, good stuff. All right, so good, I just mentioning because I'm looking at these scores, and it's 125 and it's 136, and it's uh, big numbers in the NBA. Uh, 136 for Phoenix last night. Okay, let's get to the other headlines, the top stories of a, uh, a Thursday morning. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn we bring you the top news. And uh, we talked uh, about All-Star Week. It is East-West Shrine Bowl and the Reese's Senior Bowl taking place. Uh, a couple a couple, three former Longhorns taking part in the East-West Shrine Bowl game that will be tonight up there in Frisco, Texas. Uh, Longhorn running back Jonathan Brooks, who will not play because of injuries, there and on the roster. Tight end Jatavion Sanders and Ryan Watts will play tonight. Uh, yesterday in Frisco, head coach Steve Sarkeesian for the Longhorns inducted into the East-West Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame. He played in that game and starred in that game back in 1997. Also at the Senior Bowl, only two Longhorns going through the practices and will play. There were Many as eight that had been invited because of injury and a couple players coming back to Texas. And only two there. Christian Jones the, def- the offensive tackle and Tavondre Sweat the defensive lineman. Of course uh, the Outland Trophy winner for 2023 has been in his usual dominant self in the practices this week flashing a rare combination of size and quickness and power. That game is going to be 11 A.M. on Saturday. Rod will have more on that behind the Burn Orange Curtain. As we've talked a lot of NFL coaching news, it's official now in Seattle. They have now hired the youngest head coach uh, in the NFL after having the oldest head coach last year with Pete Carroll. Uh, They bring in Mike McDonald from Baltimore, 36 years old, gets a new six year deal. Uh, His Ravens defense this year became the first unit ever to lead the NFL in points allowed, sacks, and takeaways in the same season. Uh, His hiring leaves just one head coaching vacancy. That's in Washington. Cowboys uh, defense coordinator Dan Quinn completed a second interview yesterday with uh, Washington Brass. He could be the leading candidate there. In the NFL, uh, excuse me, NBA, the Texas trio all in action last night. And once again, all three took losses. Dallas got drilled in Minnesota. They played that game without Luka Doncic or Kyrie Irving. Houston lost at home to New Orleans. Spurs lost at home to Orlando. College hoops tonight, big game. 12th-ranked Texas. The women on the road at Waco for a Big 12 showdown with 13th-ranked Baylor. That game will tip at 730. And be broadcast nationally on ESPN.
0: Horror headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment, a new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net, we'll shoot you straight.
1: Carroll's name, and Pete Carroll, we know he still wants to coach. He has publicly stated that. If I'm Boston College, I'll hire Pete Carroll. And I know he's not going to be there for like three years, but he'd hire a hell of a coaching staff and he would hire. Our probably our next head coach because he hired nice, bright, young coaching staff, and he would get young coaches that want to work for him. That would be my that would be my one kind of mandate. I'd be like, "Hey, I want you to hire me some nice, bright, young, up and coming coaches." And I'd let Pete Carroll take it. Why not? You gonna do better than Pete Carroll, at Boston College?
2: Well, no, I, no, I wouldn't agree, disagree at all from the Boston College side. Would he take it? Uh, would he yeah, go? Oh,
1: yeah, no problem. That would be I the bigger
2: know. question I would have. But you know, he, he was the New England Patriots head coach way back. Yes, he was. Before he went to USC, before he went to college, yeah. Uh, so he's got some Boston roots, I guess you would say. He's got a house there, some still. ties there, mm-hmm. does he? Nice, yeah. yeah. They, look,
1: I'd ask him. Yeah, exactly. They gonna tell you know, and they tell him like this, man. We make, want to say, a figurehead. Like we're gonna ask you to dive deep into this thing. I want you to hire really good coaches, delegate. I want you to come in, close out in the recruiting trail. We're not asking you to be jet setting all over the place. We get you seventy-two, but you got great energy, and you're still one of the most respected minds and you know coaches in the in the history of the game, college or pro. Yeah, hey, you can still recruit with that name. No, I Carroll. don't disagree
2: with that at all. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, if you're Boston College, that would be a dream come true. The question is, is it would? we talk about the uh, the grind and coaching today in college and the NIL and all that goes on with it. Would he want that? We'll see. You'd, you'd, you'd ask him.
1: Hire a person. Uh, you to spend some money because you got to hire like, a personnel department. Like, you'd have to help him out because he, he can't be no. on the recruiting trail and he, and, and with the demands of college today. But it's worth the consideration. He might, des- he might decide like because uh, Herman Edwards did that at what, Arizona State. He did. Uh, and I'm not saying some, it worked out at Arizona State. I'm just saying we've seen uh, coaches decide, all right, I'll go to college and that will be my, my retirement plan. Um, And I'm not saying it's a job where you need to have that, but I think you put the right resources around Pete Carroll. um, You know, I think he could do a really good job there, but you got to hire the right coaches, and he could do that. He hires good coaches.
2: He does. Pete Uh, Carroll's always
1: been one of those guys to hire good coaches.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Now, that's interesting. That's a that's a as we talk about the carousel of coaching, which continues to spin. But the uh, the the music's about to stop, right? When musical chairs, if you want to call it that. And uh, it looks like Dan Quinn might be the, the last chair available with Washington. Mm-hmm. You said earlier something I thought was I don't know if we we expanded on it, but uh, that, that the Washington the the coaches are, has not gone as planned for Washington.
1: No, Mm-mm. they I don't, wanted some other guys.
2: I do think they did.
1: Yeah, I think they ultimately. I, I we know that they. I think they want to zero in on Ben Johnson, and Ben Johnson did the you know the, the about face and the okey doke. <laughs> yeah,
2: because we said he's probably looking for next year. Yeah, and next year's cycle.
1: It's a smart move, but you know, and they have the new was it Adam Peters who's the assistant GM with the uh, 49ers, who who is there now. Um, I believe he's the one that's conducting the search, so it's not a good look on him early on. Yeah, they hadn't made a close on a top candidate.
2: Well, I mean, the top candidate on the board was Jim Harbaugh, uh, but he was only going to go to San Diego, and as you reported yesterday, the reports are out that he's going to make $16 million a year. That's what Mike Florio said to coach the uh, the Chargers. Well, Whew, that's that's healthy, uh, but worth it if you get the right coach. And you know, Jim Harbaugh has been been a proven winner wherever he goes. Yeah, and obviously San Diego was a spot that he was eyeing for sure. I don't know if anybody else at, even even had that he was even was even interested in. He did an interview in, in other places too, but Chargers were seemingly his destination. But you know, if you're Washington, Ben Johnson, I think was the guy. Right, they they were eyeing yeah. Ben Johnson. And I mean, to your point about Adam Peters, their new general manager, you kind of got to know that. I mean, you can't interview him until he's done, but you can at least find out. Yeah. And you wonder if if Ben Johnson you know, sent some mixed signals here. The yeah, guy I'd be interested in talking. And then when it came down, time to actually interview for it. He was like, Nay. I can see that.
1: Yeah, because that seemed like, I mean, that's it that came out of nowhere uh, that he was returning to the Lions. I think all the reports were, even the players, remember Montrose St. Brown with some sound. I'll uh, send it to Ty. Montrose St. Brown talked about him being surprised. He, he didn't even know what coach was going to do. So the that Detroit Lions had no idea. I think he said he slept on it, talked to his wife about it, and it was like, we're happy here. Let's just stay. Like why we if we're happy let's stay where we're happy.
2: You don't have to have to chase. Yeah, I like that. Um, But you know, for the Dan Quinn thing, if it is Dan Quinn, you know we just talked about Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll was not, you know, he he was let go from his first NFL opportunity, right? And then went and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Dan Quinn did it at the pro level, but went back to being a defensive coordinator has kind of, uh, you know, as you said, been the, the, one of the progressive guys on the positionless defense concept of NFL, which kind of matches up with Kyle Shanahan's positionless offense kind of doing. Yes. And you wonder if Pete Carroll, I mean, if Dan Quinn can go back and be, you know, a uh, better head coach his second time around. Um, you know that would be. He's got that Pete Carroll kind of energy. That's the one thing I, that reminds me of Pete Carroll. He's got that mm-hmm. that energy. He's a defensive backs coach, originally like Pete Carroll was. Yeah. And you know the the, the Cowboys players would say that Dan, Dan when Dan Quinn showed up, boy, it was infectious. His uh, the way that the the mood in that locker room and the chemistry on that team ratcheted it. up because uh, Mike McCarthy's. He's yeah, he's not bringing much dynamic. Uh, no, it's not energy. Dina- dynamism. Not
1: that, yeah, he's not that charismatic or anything. No, it's okay,
2: That's, which is okay. No, not, no, some coaches aren't, but yeah. at the same time, he is. Dan Quinn is. I'll be interested to see if his second time around. But you said it's going to be predicated on, you know, who's hire is on offense. Who line. is but, offensive hire and who they drafted quarterback.
1: But he's done. A, like I said he's done a good job. If it is Dan Quinn, you'll look at his track record. It's not a huge sample size, but when he was in Atlanta, he hired Kyle Shanahan at OC and he hired Steve Sarkisian at OC. He did. That would show you that he is at least very progressive and modern in his ideas about offense. And I think because he's so modern with his ideas about defense and so progressive, that leads him to study the most cutting-edge offense. Because the reason he's constructing his defense the way it is, is to keep up with the most elite and the most modern offenses in football. And so I think that's why he's able – he's probably got a short list of coaches that, oh, man, these are the offensive coordinators I don't want to face. <laughs> these are the offenses that I least like to face that give me the most trouble, the most problems. And, and I'm interested to see if he gets that job, who he'll choose because he's had a really good track record of choosing offensive minds and 100%. building coaching staffs. He yeah, had Raheem Morris on that coaching staff too. Well, him. And you know,
2: I, do, I, I do think the number is this. I think I'm right about this, Rod. I think the last ten Super Bowls – excuse me, last five Super Bowls, which would mean the last ten teams to make the Super Bowl, okay. have all had offensive head coaches.
1: Yeah, you might be right about that.
2: Am I right about that?
1: Yeah, other than the Patriots with the Belichick after that, yeah.
2: Some last five Super Bowls.
1: Because after you get done with Belichick, I mean, he that, he's kind of the outlier there that in this new era. It's been offensive guys, offensive-minded coaches. You're right. Belichick was one of the standouts. Uh, yeah, you're right. That's the truth. I mean, I, I'm trying to think right now, and it did been mostly – now, I mean, it
2: doesn't mean you don't have to play defense.
1: No, but in terms of the, the, the way you construct, the way you build a franchise, do you want the guy at the top, the head coach, to be an offensive-minded guy or a defensive-minded guy? I think mostly in the NFL, just like you just pointed out, they're going offense.
2: They're going offense. They're going offense. Um, but, but, you know, look, that, that's the last five, so that's the last ten teams to make it. Now, look, that's been the Chiefs mm-hmm. four times. Let's not forget that, and that's uh, that's Andy Reid, one of the best offensive minds ever. Uh, but he does have this Steve Spagnuolo guy, who is, as you said, maybe he's one of the greatest. His resume as a defensive coordinator or is as good as anybody's. He does because what what number Super Bowl is this for him? Where he was with the Giants? Oh,
1: yeah, you're right. He's uh, fifth. It's the fifth. It's fifth. Fifth Super Bowl. It's his fifth Super Bowl as a defensive coordinator,
2: and yeah, so tied
1: tied for the most, by the way.
2: And that's why I'm. Gosh, I'm just so puzzled of why, as we still sit here on this Thursday morning, the Chiefs are a two-point underdog in this game. They've got Patrick Mahomes. Um, maybe it's the, the dad bod for Patrick Mahomes, but they got Mahomes, and they've they got an improving offense for the Chiefs that's getting better as the year's gone on, and they've kind of hit their stride and what their identity is. And you've got this defense that now with the Ravens out of the playoffs, it's you know all the spotlight can shine on the, the Chiefs and just how good their defense has been. Uh, his, I mean, they're they're setting records. Uh, how how good this for points allowed and right. second half points allowed this season for Steve Spagnolo. I mean, again, I, this is nothing against your guy Kyle Shanahan and the Forty ers the the Shanahorns as they're called in Longhorn Land. Mm-hmm. But you're you're giving me Mahomes that
1: defense and two points in the Super Bowl. Yeah, come on, man. That's tough. Like I said, Explain I, it to me. I don't pick against Mahomes anymore. I've done that like, like once or twice, and it's blown up in my face every time. Because if it was a pick 'em game, I would take the Chiefs. Third game in a row, he's been an underdog, though. Think about that. I know. Third game in a row. And like, we haven't learned yet. He needs, what he's done on the road in back-to-back weeks uh, has been uh, unbelievable, and now he can do it on the Super Bowl away from home. I'm, with, I'm not picking against that dude. But I hope Shanahan finds a way to win it, but I'm not picking against Patrick Mahomes.
2: Hey, Ty, I know you follow this type of thing, uh, and I did see where a lot of the, like 71% of the money line bets are coming in on the Chiefs. Like the public, why does this line remain at two? Do you have a theory on this, Mr. Gambler?
0: I, uh, I'm perplexed at this point. I'm, I'm sticking with my Chiefs pick, but uh, the, the amount of public money on the, the Chiefs is, is, is worrisome
2: which is right and so why is the line sticking there if the if the public money's going is it cuz the sharp money is on the Niners?
0: I <sighs>
2: Would that be the theory of that um because normally the obviously the line will move based on what side's getting the heaviest, you know. I, I
0: mean I, I I don't think I, I I think this should be a pickem but you know there's 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 no, there's
1: no benefit money. there yeah. really for yeah. Vegas.
0: So I Exactly. I don't know. We'll we'll see. I'm, I I think this will definitely be a 3-point game. So I I think either way you could you could you know, feel comfortable with your bet. But Ooh, I don't know. There you
2: go. Bet both sides of it. <laughs> uh, well, no, interesting game, to say the least. But man, you're, you, and you, I know you'll talk about these, uh, these defensive stats for the Chiefs. We're
0: going to gonna gonna have to different. have a prop bet segment before the Super Bowl, though. Oh, for give, sure. give some yeah, of my next, favorite, my favorite prop. Oh, because I've, I've been 100%. looking, I've been looking all week. I'm taking the week off to get ready for the Super Bowl.
1: Well, a lot of them have been about the subject you don't want to talk about. It's Taylor Swift. <laughs> <laughs> There's other prop bets about Taylor Swift, too. Oh, Tons no. of them, yeah. Saw an article. About Just because I
0: don't him. want to talk about them doesn't mean I won't bet on. Them.
1: Did you ah, know that uh,
2: you I found this out yesterday? Because you know Tom Brady, the great Tom Brady, mm-hmm. he he does a podcast now, uh, yes, he and does. he interviewed Andy Reid, and in it, Andy Reid revealed that he actually knew Taylor Swift before Travis Kelsey did. Like uh, he he revealed that Travis that Taylor Swift's dad played football at Delaware. And Delaware University is not far from Philadelphia. Wow! So he, she grew up a big Philadelphia fan. Her dad was a huge Philadelphia fan, and Andy Reid was introduced to Taylor Swift by her dad while he was still the coach of the Eagles. That's way back when she was crazy. a little girl.
1: That is so wild. <laughs> yes. Damn, that's a great. I have to find that audio that's because it's like knowledge. what?
2: And so when when Travis started going out with her, uh, he, you know, he, he said, "I already knew her. I already knew Taylor." That is, that is
1: – that's freaking cool. That, Isn't that is cool? that cool? The small
2: world. Small world, and in the football world it is, uh, 100%. Yeah, we'll do a football – a Super Bowl prop bet uh, segment or two or whole show at one point next week as we get closer mm-hmm. and closer. We're 10 days away now. Got uh, the Shrine Bowl uh, tonight and the Senior Bowl on Saturday. We'll preview that coming up. Uh, but coming next, we'll go at the turn, and we'll get you more on this uh, uh, new agreement between the PGA Tour and strategic sports – Strategies, or whatever the heck they call this thing. But it's a, it's a lot of money and what it can mean for the professional golf tour, PGA, PGA of America. Uh, we'll get to that. Also, before the end of the hour, some off the record, and Rod takes us behind the BOC. Let's hook up with Ian Rod.
0: I'm all right. Nobody but about me.
1: The Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day.
2: Indeed, always a good day to go over to Callahan's General Store and, as we say, help them help you make your yard look like a golf course year-round. You can do it with them at Callahan's and their people and their products that are locally sourced in a lot of of cases to make sure you're getting the right things for your yard, whether it goes to fertilizers and conventional and organic and everything you need, ground cover, everything at Callahan's, plus the people to help you apply it properly, do it properly to make your yard look like a golf course. And don't we all want that? If we're homeowners, uh, make it look great and they can do that for you. It's also a great day to get out and play some golf today. Uh, Three straight days of 70. Not as much sun today, probably, but still warm which we'll go. take. There could be some rain coming into the weekend. Keep that in mind. So uh, if you have some opportunities, get out and get yourself some some golf in. Uh, one of the great golf courses around Central Texas. And speaking of golf, rod right at the turn, nine holes out and nine to go. We mentioned earlier that uh, big news yesterday uh, with the partnership now and the the plan with the PGA Tour, uh, partnering with the Strategic Sports Group, who are going to invest upwards of $3 billion into the tour, and there are some who believe that this while the p j tour will still negotiate with the p i f the Saudi Arabian public investment fund, okay. but um it's you know they were notably absent from this agreement when it was announced, and we talked about yesterday that there was a a a, a day, deadline of december thirty first into the new year between the p i f and the p j tour to have a deal that didn 't happen. They pushed it back a month, so now February first or the end of of January became the deadline. And the agreement was made with this SSG, the Strategic Reports Group, but not the PIF. Uh, So it is believed that while the PJ Tour has announced plans to continue negotiating with the PIF, the two parties remain far apart behind closed doors and with a gray cloud of regulatory issues hanging over them as well. Wow. That would mean the State Department. So keep an eye there. Uh, but as we said earlier in Bullish BS, the strategic sports group is made up of, you know, essentially billionaire owners from around the sports world <laughs> is the best way to put it. The 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 group that owns the Boston Red Sox and the Pittsburgh Penguins and Liverpool at Pull FC, uh, Arthur Blank, the owner of the Falcons, owner of the Brewers, owner of the Celtics. And um, these folks have, you know, 200 years of combined ownership and leadership uh, and so Jordan Spieth at Pebble Beach yesterday was asked about this ride, mm-hmm. and uh, he said, I think stability be, would be something when asked what the benefits of this. I think that the idea that there may be any kind of negativity within our membership, within the fan base, sponsorship, whatever it be, hope that starts to turn the corner and recognize we're in a place where we could be better than we've ever been as a tour." Um, it's the premier place to provide for professional golf. And these partners will help us continue to make it that way and have impact on the membership. And he talked about how the fact that they get to have an equity stake now. The players can become owners of the tour, essentially. Yeah, that's big. That's huge. Yeah. Um, and that's what, you know, they've been wanting. Because they're independent contractors. We know that. And that's why when Liv started, I mean, it was like, well, we're independent contractors. We, we should be able to play where we want to play. Uh, but this now ties the players to the tour because they're they're equity stakeholders in the tour. It's their tour. They don't play on the tour. This is yeah. they're part of the, they're part of the ownership of the tour, and um, and you're working alongside owners who have owned franchises in multiple sports for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, that can only help grow the game to have those type of partners and grow the sport, which you're trying to do. And uh, so we'll see. Uh, of course, 18 of the top 20 players in the world will be playing. The official golf rankings are playing at Pebble Beach, uh, but we know John Rahm, Terrell Hatton, and those are playing in the. Uh, there's a live event this weekend too. In, in uh, Mayakoba. So there's a Live Tour event, and there's a Pebble Beach event.
1: Yeah, I just don't understand. I mean, either you, I guess either you disrupt, you're a disruptor, or you get disrupted, and PGA got disrupted. Big because, time. Uh, and, and I guess Live was the disruptor. And now uh, a lot of the things that were some of the kind of, uh, I would say some of the Live guys, or now Live guys, who were in the PGA were clamoring for, now they're starting to – Evolve, and you're starting to see the the PGA come around to their side of things that they need to be uh, modernized as an entity, and they do need to start thinking about diversifying their uh, financial structure a little bit more. Well, and That's I what think this is.
2: well, it did for sure, and I think a couple things. One, you know, the the head of the PIF you know, has stated owning golf or being a huge part of golf on the global level was his goal. And the PJ Tour, you know, shunned his advances to invest in the PJ Tour previously. And that's why he started Live, uh, or they started Live. Uh, but look, until, this, until the, 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 this past summer's partnership was announced and it was re- received with so much backlash that essentially the PIF was going to own professional golf on this planet. <laughs> um, yep. That's what activated these owners in the United, in the, in the United States and in, in Europe to say, wait a second what are we doing why aren't we involved in this and so you could argue even even you know Jay Monahan and the PJ tour back in the day didn't have the ear of these owners like they did once now. this happened yeah. that disrupted it to such an extent that these owners are like wait a second we don't want we we, we should own this tour <laughs> why didn't we do uh, why this? didn't we get in why on didn't this? We do this this
1: should have been our we idea. love golf yeah. <laughs> you know we,
2: we know golf yeah. is very popular there's a lot of money in golf what are we doing yep. and so now they've gotten activated and they're in and as uh, jordan spieth said yesterday i think the coolest thing about it is the players are now owners so not only do they benefit with the tour they're now equity owners so they want to push it themselves. They want to make the product better themselves. Not that, that that they and we didn't before, but you directly benefit from owning a piece. I think that's part of the coolest things. And the the question will be with this agreement: Does that push Live, and does that push some of the golfers who jumped to Live to think about maybe coming, coming back? back. Yeah. And that's why you couple it with the Rory. Well, because that some of
1: the reasons they left to the go hundred, to Live. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, those are no longer valid reasons because you've seen the PGA have a shift. Yeah. Here. Or or oh, it's going
2: to be, you know. Or it will be you know, two rival tours and um get
1: into being that, yeah.
2: And the question then will be are you able to bounce back and forth and play in this event and that event? I don't I don't know. But I doubt we, it.
1: We know now that you can play in all the majors though.
2: The majors, correct. Yeah,
1: and that's really what everybody cares about.
2: And live live golfers of course only play the three rounds and there's no cut and those kind of things. And we've established yeah. that it doesn't go towards your world ranking. Your points do not count, which will affect them long term when it comes to things as far as world rankings and um, so there's still more to work out, but this was a big step forward for, for, you know, the PGA tour, I think, uh, as they tee it off at a, at Pebble beach today. So that'll be fun. If you're Jones, for some football, but G. golf this weekend with some of the best players in the world, including, I, I saw where Scotty Scheffler, the lifetime longer hadn't played in this event since 2011 or no, I don't think he's ever played in it. Okay. Cause Just this is usually cause it's a pro-am and Bill Murray's always there doing his caddy shack thing. And, um, this isn't always one of the, the best attended, but as far as the top players, but it is this week because it's a. It, there's gonna, they look, they're gonna have a signature event every time there's a live event. Just know that.
1: Uh, just, okay. that makes <laughs> sense. Counter programming run. Well, live's not making a dent in terms of viewership. No, nobody watches live. No, it's not. Nobody no. watch Nobody even knows where where live is to watch it. It's in Mayacoba. Where's Mayacoba? this yeah, week? Yeah, I'm just saying, like nobody watches live. That's not where they've made. That's not where they've been a disruptor. It's oh, not in viewership. They've been a disruptor to the actual marketplace because of the amount of cash. Right, they're, they're, they're just the throwing throw huge at- <laughs> money around, <laughs> right? Just money whipping with no
2: with no sense of profit or yeah, loss. It doesn't even matter to them. Money
1: whipping things, but it's I know it's it's worked. But now my question is: so now is Live or basically is Live going to back away? Like I don't understand. Like how is how is Live feel about this new entity that
2: is now coming to the negotiation? I don't know how they're going to react, and I don't know because it's two what? things: it's their tour with with Greg Norman and them, but it's also the players on that tour. Yeah, that will be important, and th- there's still a lot of ground to cover within that. And regard. those guys
1: have signed on, right, take the money.
2: Yeah, to be on the live but tour. What we don't know is like how guaranteed those contracts are and those kind of things, because um, there's I'm, I won't be going back on public- them deals.
1: <laughs> That's a groove. I don't know if I want to reneg on them deals, man. I don't know, what, what? But
2: I mean, because they,
1: the, I get it. they'll be selling court. I'm obviously, because that.
2: at the beginning, what the PJ tour sold was history and tradition, and you know, leaving a legacy against the best players in the world, playing you know four round tournaments with a cut. You know, com- comparing your career to the Jack Nicholas's and the t- yes. the great players of all time, yeah. you're not doing that at Live. Live is a whole new thing. Um, that doesn't have that tradition and history. Does this now with the strategic sports group and these this coming in where you can become an owner of the tour, does that draw some players back potentially if they're able to get out of those deals? That'll be a question. And it's
1: fair to say that the PGA underestimated, miscalculated 100%. how much how much of an incentive just a straight cash homie would be as opposed to oh, there 's no doubt of the things about that, that you just mentioned about, you know, Playing with the best in the world and being to compare yourself to the GOATs and the greatest of all time. and I think that's
2: fair Uh, because it's amazing that Jay Monaghan is still the commissioner of this tour. He's like Houdini. But, yeah, he (laughs) underestimated. Yeah, they really thought that, um, you know, the guilt of of playing under the Saudi umbrella. Pretty much. um, And all that came with that. And then the
1: blood money term and leaving the history
2: would. And even at the time, I argued they should stay at the PJ Tour and force this kind of change which is now happening, and not give Liv the, the, the fuel that they need to disrupt the game as they have. But, you know, in the end, it, money won out, and those players took the money, mm-hmm. and that disrupted the game to that point. Because, again, no one's – you just said it. Liv's not trying to make a profit.
1: Nobody, yeah, ain't nobody's watching Liv. They're not selling uh, aggregate. It was all about this.
2: <laughs> well, so, yeah. But, see, now the strategic sports group stepping in and putting their billions in. Has kind of disrupted their plan. Yes. Uh, and now Liv has to, you know, figure out because they they want to own golf, yeah. and, and now they, they're not now going. They can't to. Can't just
1: money whip them anymore. They actually have to negotiate a compromise. That's exactly hey, right. You know, it's coming in money whipping everybody, and now this group has money too.
2: And so. instead, this at least on appearance, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. The way I read this at four four seven three seven seven six here and at the turn. You know, this does put you know a roadblock up to live owning golf. Essentially, because P J Tour doesn't have to sell out to them. Because the P J Tour's argument when they said we have to agree to this is we're going to we're going to go bankrupt in all these lawsuits. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend years and years and years, you know, adjudicating these cases, and we're going to kind of like the NCAA. We're going to we won't have, we don't have we don't have the money to do that and live it a- and and run a thriving. Yeah, tour. Profitable business. Right, because yeah. you know, we are still, you know, about profit and loss. Uh, so, yes, interesting days in golf and a good tour tournament teeing off today. And as I mentioned, Liv is teeing off down there in Mexico at Mayacoba uh, the same weekend. That will be tomorrow. All right, Rod, let's uh, wrap that up. That's at the turn. That's the latest from golf and uh, time to go behind the BOC.
1: At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's Day.
0: And they were all asking themselves the same question.
1: What is behind that curtain? All right, let's talk about uh, the guys who are going to be playing in the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl. So, at first, as um, E mentioned earlier this week, we're supposed to have like 10 guys, like 10, 11 guys participating in these uh, these All-Star games all together. That is not the case. Uh, in the Shrine Bowl, uh, Jonathan Brooks and J.T. Sanders had minor injuries. Well, Jonathan Brooks had a major injury, but J.T. Sanders had a minor injury, so those guys decided not to participate um, in the uh, in the this, in this Shrine Bowl. And I believe the other uh, person was Ryan Watts. And Ryan Watts is still participating in the uh, the Shrine Bowl. And the word on Ryan Watts is that he is going to play safety in the Shrine Bowl. Ryan Watts is playing safety in the game, which is, I'm not going to lie, that was a concern or at least it was a, a an option, a critique of him here at texas it was one of the recommendations a lot of long Island fans had uh, including myself that hey man they should put him at safety every now and then because he looks like a safety. he measured in at uh, i believe almost six three uh measuring at 212 pounds you probably can his frame you probably can add another five pounds on him and he probably would carry it really well and here's nothing that came out of the senior bow sorry the shrine bow practices for him um, here's the, the little nugget here. Shout out to my man, Blake Monroe, over at Owen Texas Football. Ryan Watts, topping the list is Texas Longhorn defensive back Ryan Watts, who found playing time, Uh, you know, obviously after transferring from Ohio State. And it, it also points out that nobody at practice was faster in practice than Watts, who finished first with a speed Of 20.8 miles per hour, he traveled the 10th most yards during practice with 3,961. His 28 explosive efforts were tied for ninth among players at practice. They have these body monitors on that that essentially give you all of these different readings on heart rate and pulse and all of these uh, different uh, elements. And it also gives you the speed of a player. And it gives you how long and how often they reach that max speed on different plays. And essentially, it's telling you that Ryan Watts, I got to 20.8 miles per hour. That's pretty good. If he's at safety, it's great. At corner, it's a little faster than people thought, but it doesn't mean you have great you have great hips. And the Ryan Watts' problem actually wasn't necessarily always straightaway speed. It, that got him in trouble sometimes, but oftentimes, it was his hips downfield. He was not great at sinking his hips, but to get in and out of breaks. Um, and that's why him moving to safety makes a lot more sense because he won't he will have to get in and out of breaks to that extent that quickly. He'll be able to see the field a lot better, and we know he can tackle. We know he's physical in the open field. So I actually support him moving to safety. I remember Michael Griffin, Lifetime Longhorn on LHN, said, I think he's a safety in the league. That's the guy that's played in the league. <laughs> he's like, no, he's a safety in the league, and I think the Shrine Bowl coaches feel the same way. No, he's a safety. He's not a corner. And it's interesting that Texas never—they never pushed him to make that transition. And I always wonder why he was here long enough for Texas to do it. They never did it. Um, they figured he was their best option at corner, and maybe he was. Maybe they didn't have the guys they trusted at corner. Um, but that he's going to be playing safety, and at the NFL level, the more you can do, better chance you got to make a roster. Uh, so as has got now he can talk, can at least have the data point on his evaluation to say he can play safety and can play corner for you. And in the NFL, that matters. The more you can do, like I said, the better it, all, it is for you overall. Um, so that's Ryan Watts. You can watch him tonight's that Shrine Bowl. The Senior Bowl practice, remember, there was supposed to be seven guys participating in the Senior Bowl. That is not going to be the case now. Only Christian Jones and Devontae Sweater participating because uh, Jordan Whittington and Byron Murphy and Jalen Ford, those guys got nicked up. Alfred Collins, they Barron, decided to come back to school. Uh, but I will say this about Christian Jones. Speaking of position changes. The NFL is looking at him now as a guard. He's getting reps at tackle and at guard uh in the senior bowl practice and it looks like the NFL half the teams or at least more than half the teams that are going to project to draft him are projecting him to play guard. Now, it's a guy it's a guard with a, you know, they're talking about this guy with close to <laughs> a wingspan of, what, 80, 83 inches in the wingspan, arm length of over, over 34 inches. He does, he's measured in at 6'5", 318. He's got the, the, the tackle body, if you will. He does, and maybe you can swing him out to the right, but they think he's got a high end, like high upside, extremely high upside, maybe even pro bowl upside, all pro upside at guard. At tackle, they believe he's a jag. He'd just be a jag out there attacking the NFL. Hmm. At guard, they believe he could be exceptional. So that's why he's getting reps at guard at the senior bowl, too. And essentially, I mean, this is a guy that hasn't had this mass for that long. You think about it, guys. He hadn't had to carry this mass for for, for very long. When he first got to high school as a freshman, he was 6'3", around 215, thought he was going to play soccer. And then coaches in the hallways kept kind of nudging him like, man, you need to play football. This is Texas. You play football hard. <laughs> uh, and he went to play football, started packing on the pounds, and now at 100-plus pounds later and him growing almost three inches later, he is just in the last probably five years or so because of the nutrition, dietitian, weight room here at Texas has finally got his, his kind of grown man body where he can um, have the, the transition – uh, from a guy that was all about more about his foot was an athlete that was about his footwork because he thought he was playing soccer more about his footwork and more about speed and conditioning to now a guy that's more about power um, and being able to carry that mass really well. So they think he could be a guard. And I actually think he can too. Uh, I mean, he's a he knows he's coachable because he's gotten better every year that he was at Texas. There's no way I thought he'd have been a middle round pick when I first saw Christian Jones. I don't know if I thought he was an NFL player the first time I saw Christian Jones out there, and now they're looking at him as a guy that just drafts out going from being a late-round pick to being a mid-round pick if he works out well, well and, and all that.
2: Well, it feels like his ceiling is, is raising, rising. He's raising his ceiling with his performance. Yes. Um, and I think Kyle Flood has been a huge, huge uh, jolt for him uh, as an offensive line coach, and as, as you said, his willingness to be coachable. Because uh, to your point, the first time I saw him live was uh, at the Arkansas game. Yeah, Fayetteville, exactly. And he got bum rushed. Wow! It was like, whoa, that's not good for your yeah. starting right tackle. Uh, he was getting destroyed, and uh, you know it, it was kind of humbling. And but he's gotten so much better. And you, you what you just said, if he, they they project him as a really high end guard, but he can also. You know, it's an, it's an injury-prone league. Yes, it is. And you have tackle experience where you're just a guy, but, boy, in a, in a pinch you could play, you know, the tackle position and start at guard. That makes you very valuable in the National Football League.
1: Yeah, the more you can do. So, uh, Christian Jones' stock is going up. Uh, we talked about Tavondre Sweat earlier, uh, and we'll get into it, but the, the, the quick of it is Tavondre Sweat <laughs> – he has probably more highlights uh, from that senior bowl than a lot of other defenders. Got a couple of them where he's pushing guys back, essentially pushing the offensive linemen back on their butt, pancaking them. Um, he's going to make a lot of money in the league. I don't know if he'll be a first-round pick, but he definitely increased his draft stock. And once he weighs in, which is only kind of the big question mark for him, I think Tevondre Sweat will cement himself as an early round sec- early second-round pick. Early second-round um, so there you go. That's a couple of nuggets uh, from the uh, Senior Bowls. Uh, you uh, you don't have as many Longhorns as we thought, but these all those Longhorns look to be increasing their draft stock right now. I haven't seen any negative news about Ryan Watts and his in pra- the practices, Devontae Sweat or Christian Jones. All good stuff.
2: All right, and those games tonight, of course, with the Shrine Bowl on NFL Network, and then Saturday morning, 11 o'clock, with the uh, Senior Bowl. The game itself. Eh. You know, it's really about the practices. It really
1: right? is about the practices. And they getting yep. up
2: close in these one-on-one drills. Uh, we'll come back when we do. It's off the record. I'll play you that sound rod of Andy Reid talking about how he met Taylor Swift when she was a young, young girl and how that all came about. Also, some other off-the-records topics as we get you rolling and keep you rolling on a Thursday on Hook'em Up.
1: 447-3776. D. Mega doo I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's
2: turned on, the sign will spell out
1: Deli Cat Essen.
2: Well, I don't get, I get a break day and comb. Well, congratulations. Continue. Good sex in the
0: sex in the big east. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record.
2: Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live! And things sucks. Oh man, off the record, never sucks stories that uh, maybe you've missed, but you need to hear because they'll be talked about. And I mentioned this earlier, Robin. Now here we have the audio. I mentioned that you could you could uh, look very smart at your Super Bowl party next Sunday if you know this little fact that Andy Reid, the head coach of the Philadelphia of the uh, Kansas City Chiefs, it's crazy, met one Taylor Swift before Travis Kelsey, her new boo thing did. Can we play this for you? Here's Andy Reid. He was doing an interview on a podcast with with Tom Brady, talking football. And uh, here's how this sounded uh, earlier this week with Andy Reid.
0: Buffering, sorry, sorry.
2: Buffering, buffering.
1: Buffering.
2: Oh, oh. Give it to me, Andy.
0: Now listen, she's, she's been great. Um, I knew her before uh, from Philadelphia. Her, her dad played at Delaware and was a big football fan and um, good guy. So I had met him there. Um, and her, and so, uh, that was the last thing Trav wanted to hear that I knew her before him. You know, that, <laughs> she told him, I know, I know your coach, and he went, Oh, right, come on,
1: that is crazy. That is a wild story, man. That's a small world story for real. Like, I, never
2: knew, I never knew her dad played football at Delaware.
1: Who knew? I, I didn't know that either. But the, blue the, the blue hens, the blue hens, what are the odds? And now. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift might end up getting married. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's crazy. Um, okay, I got one for you. It's a crazy story. A Brazilian medical student nice. um, <laughs> apparently got shot <laughs> in his head and did not realize it. I'm gonna read the story to you because it is a yep, yeah, it's a bizarre story. It's crazy. Um, yeah, so this kid. Um, And I got it from uh, New York Post. So I'm saying they're pretty reliable. So I got it from the Post because I couldn't believe it either. So I went to go try to find multiple sources because originally it was online on Twitter. And then I went and found the Post article about it. So uh, this dude, he, he's a Bra- he was a Brazilian student. It was a Brazilian medical student. 21-year-old Brazilian man stunned after finding a bullet lodged in his head after thinking he was hit by a rock during a New Year's Eve party. According to the New York Post, Mateus Facio was partying at a beach in Rio de Janeiro when he felt an object hit him. But he shrugged when his head stopped bleeding and thought, "Oh, no big deal. I'll just wait till it, you know, uh, wait till I get home and I'll see a medical professional about it." For the next four days, <laughs> Mr. Fascio continued partying with friends without any idea about how severe the situation was. "Quote: Little did I know that all this uh, would happen." He said, I thought it was a stone, a bad joke, that someone picked up a stone and threw a rock at me. If there was a noise, I could imagine what it could be. He said, but (laughs) he went on to say, but I didn't hear anything. It was completely normal. And the 21-year-old partied on the beach, hung out with friends for four days. Um, When he got home, he sought medical attention. On his journey back home, Mr. Fazio said that his arms and fingers had stopped moving normally. Causing him to repeatedly stop driving. He said, I went to take a nap and woke up with my arm feeling a little silly. He said, I felt my fingers moving, but I didn't have confidence to pick something up. So he saw a medical professional and they let him know, oh, yeah, dude, you got a bullet in your head.
2: <laughs> you have a bullet in your head. Isn't that crazy? He, this guy can never be my doctor.
1: That, <laughs> well, it, maybe his pain tolerance is just that good. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how that happens. Talk about pain tolerance. That dude's got it. That's unbelievable. Well, are there pain That's receptors in, the in your head? Yeah, I mean, I, I imagine he was in shock or something and just didn't know it. I just don't know how that happens, but there you go.
2: That's what I'm but like. Do you, like you, mean, you have pain receptors, so you feel the pain. Do you yeah, have them in, inside your head? I'm
1: sure you do. You got to. You got them everywhere, don't you? I don't know. And Maybe you don't. I don't know. That dude there, I don't know how. That's a. He's a <laughs> medical marvel. He got shot in the head. Okay. No and then he survived for days without any medical attention, just hanging out with his friends. He's got bad friends, by the way. Your friends suck.
2: Sir? Your friends suck. Right? Hey, they are partying, man. They're all <laughs> high up on goofballs.
1: Well, after we got high, Captain, in the morning, can I look at that? Look at that. Your head is bleeding. Can I look at that? And then I'm like, oh, dude, I think you got something in there. You should go see a doctor. None of your friends suggested you go see a doctor? <laughs> your head? You got a hole in your head?
2: I got to see these pictures. Do we, do we know who shot
1: him? Uh, no. I don't think they really know exactly who shot him. I mean, took, it took days later. <laughs> they definitely don't know who shot him. I have Eight. no idea.
2: As we said, today is February the 1st. it means so tomorrow's ground. Picture. That means, oh, God, that's right at the top of his head. Yeah, that's the top of his head. Uh, that means tomorrow is Groundhog Day. Today, Rod, National Change Your Password Day. Change your Password Day? everyone oh, is encouraged yeah. to change. How many passwords do you have?
1: Oh, now we, everybody got like 15 or 20 because of all the apps know, and I know, stuff.
2: I know. I know. Streaming services, yours? No.
1: You can't have the same one though eat for everyone. that's dangerous. I gotta switch it up.
2: Why is this? Can I we know very little about the human brain like why a bullet will lodge there for days <laughs> sure. and you don't even know it. Seriously. But also why can I remember my childhood phone number and my grandmother's childhood phone number from way back and I can't remember a password that I just set yesterday?
1: Because your brain is a sponge <laughs> as you're younger. No, you know that. And is that as, true? You, as you get older, it's harder to learn things, right? You can learn a language as you get young. You can learn music younger. It's hard to learn those things as you get Old older. Old dog, new tricks? Yeah, it is. It actually literally is telephone like I can for still
2: remember my childhood telephone number.
1: I can remember my best friend across the street's telephone yeah, and number. And my grandma's. Right now,
2: yep. Because you just have to dial it.
1: You had to dial it. And that's also, too, right? That's why Robbie writes everything down. Because my brain. Remembers it better <laughs> after I write it down, as opposed to typing it on a screen. Oh, there you go! There February
2: first, change those passwords change out there. It. Uh, it's also a big day in high school sports. We'll tell you about that coming up. Hook them up with Ian Robby. Hook it up.